This episode of Sexy Marriage Radio is brought to you by Naked Bed, a sensual sheet designed to help you let go more during your intimate experiences and enjoy all that God's incredible gift of sex and marriage can bring. Made of a luxurious fabric, think of it as lingerie for your bed. It protects your linens from massage oils and other elements, giving you unlimited freedom without distractions. You can be playful, spontaneous, lavish, or exotic, and that can happen anytime with no mess and no fuss. Explore deeper intimacy and embrace the peace of mind that Naked Bed brings. Go to sensualbedding.com, enter the keyword sexy at checkout to receive a free bottle of massage oil. You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex happens in the marriage bed. Here's your host, Dr. Corey Allen. As part of being the host of Sexy Marriage Radio and getting a chance to regularly speak to the Sexy Marriage Nation, one of the things that's uh, a privilege of mine is uh, being exposed to a lot of voices from the nation that email us, ask questions, give us feedback, give us comments, um, even some pushback on some of the things that we may say. And most of them do that via our voicemail line is 214-702-9565, or you can send us an email, feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. But the other exciting thing I get to do by being the host of this whole project that's been going on for six and a half years now is come alongside other people in the field, uh, other voices, other thought leaders, other things that have other, other people that are just making an impact. And that's where we're going to go today. Um, where I'm going to have a chance to interview and talk through with uh, Steve Ng. And if you don't know who he is, he is a marriage and family therapist, been practicing for 30 years, um, living in the Reno, Nevada area. And and the stuff I've been to ex- exposed to of Steve's is you can tell he is engaged in what he does and he loves what he does. And where we're heading today um, I have a general idea from where our conversation was prior to the recording of, of the show, but again, as Sexy Marriage Radio unfolds and as, has, as life unfolds, and if you've been married any length of time, you know where we plan to go isn't where we always go, but I know along the way we can still benefit <laughs> from, from wherever, <laughs> wherever we go. And so, Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us in the Sexy Marriage Nation today. Thanks so much, Dr. Allen. It's a pleasure to be with you. And so one of the things that, that strikes me um, as, as as we're talking and as I was uh, watching some of the stuff you do, because steveing.com is is your world on online. Um, and I think it's Stephen Ng. Stephen, oh, well, thank you for that yeah. clarification. <laughs> uh, I will put it on the show notes for certain so we know it's right there. Um <laughs> But one of the you you have a podcast. You have a, a lot of speaking. You have a breadth of things that you cover and address. But what struck me is you have a depth that you're you're bringing to it in the sense that let's talk about what some of the things that aren't being talked about. Like we may think, you know, like what we were just saying before we started hitting record on this show that intimacy. When someone hears that word. It could bring to mind dozens of ideas, dozens of things, right? Right, especially when we're talking about it just like that out of context. It's yep. like, oh no, where are they going with this? <laughs> right. Uh, as a little boy, I grew up uh, 
watching a lot of Perry Mason shows on TV during the first golden age of television. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember when the uh, there'd be the cross-examination in the courtroom uh, where the district attorney would lean in and say, archly, uh, isn't it true that you and the defendant have been, when he'd raise his eyebrow, intimate? And by that, what he meant was, you've been uh, having sexual intercourse. Mm-hmm. And what I like to talk about is intimacy, so I'm going to use that same word, but what I don't mean is sexual intercourse. And, you know, before we get too deep into the weeds on this, if I could give you an example of what I'm talking about. Yeah, please do. Because I do a lot of couples counseling, but I do a lot of group counseling for men as well. Okay. And I'll be in a group of men who are all heterosexuals. We're We're going to be sitting and talking, and some guy, after he becomes relatively safe uh, in the group, he'll make a disclosure, a disclosure that's of a very personal nature about his sexuality, about his sexual fantasies, about his uh, sexual history, perhaps, maybe even uh, some of his current uh, struggles or thoughts. And the group, the groups are always great. They, they listen supportively. Sometimes they crack a joke so we can handle this disclosure right just to kind of break the tension for a little bit then we get back into it that's a pretty common technique right and uh and very that's the wonderful part i think of working with men because they can joke like that but i also i have found only one response to my question is this thank you so much for sharing what you said today but is this i'm curious is this the kind of thing that you could share with your wife and the answer 100% of the time is, oh, God, no. So, <laughs> right. I, I would, she would kill me. Are right. you kidding? <laughs> right. I could never tell her that I have these kinds of thoughts in my head. I could never tell her that I did that with my high school English teacher. I could never tell her uh, that I'm thinking that I really would like to try this in our bedroom. Right. And, you know, the, the tragedy of that, and, and for me it really is a tragedy, is that this woman who loves him the most of all other women and um, among all other women and compared to all other men, she's devoted to him. She's, she's invested in this relationship and he doesn't feel safe enough in his own marriage to share with who her, who he really is. Right. To share him. Yeah. 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 To share him. And instead he'll bring up uh, something sexy that he wants to try to do and, She'll resist and say no, perhaps, and he'll be grumpy. And but he never discloses who he really is and what's going on inside of him. And instead, that's those truths are something he has to wait till he gets to group therapy to share. Okay, I don't think it was intended to be that. Right. So, so what is it that that makes it to where maybe the male condition? But I'm going to put women in this too. That what is, is what is, is it that both. makes the human condition reluctant? to share the deepest part of ourselves with the person we supposedly do the deepest life with. Wow. That is such a, such a big question. And I don't feel adequate to, to discuss it in, in full because okay. it's a pretty global issue. Absolutely. There are parts of that that I can certainly chunk out. And one of them is that when we're young, particularly, but sometimes even a bit older, we have these scripts in our head about how marriage is supposed to be, how romance is supposed to be. Right. And those scripts are 
they bear as much resemblance to reality as a Disney movie. Okay. The, you know, you're my one and only. I've never loved anybody before you. Uh, I've never loved anyone the way I love you. We say it in a lot of different ways. But that scripting doesn't allow for our humanity to break through to where we can relax and tell each other the truth. Okay. So, you know, to be able, you know, how many of our listening audience do you suppose has, has gone through a divorce? And I, th- I think quite a few, mm-hmm. if, if we're anything like the rest of America. And for us to be able to talk about how, well, yeah, I, I really loved my ex back in the day mm-hmm. and before everything went sideways. And, uh, you know, maybe I even still have feelings for them even now. Mm-hmm. But does that take away from my feelings for the current Prince Charming or the current Princess right. Aurora in right. my life. Right. No, it doesn't take away at all. Although, I think we, in, when it comes to romance, those of us, you know, we see this across the United States in virtually every field of endeavor where these brilliant captains of industry, these titans of um, governmental policy and, uh, and brilliant generals, um, General Petraeus comes to mind, where these guys graduated at the top of their class, but then when it comes to romance, sexuality, and marriage, they're not managing their sexuality intelligently. And instead, they're making decisions that, in hindsight, are like imbecilic. Right. You know, they're, right. they're moronic. And they feel embarrassed when it all comes out in public. And, um, and, and why does that happen? I think it happens because although we pay lip service, to the family being the bedrock of our civilization. Mm -hmm. We don't really teach anybody proactively how to build a great family before they get into it. Okay. It's, it's almost all on the job training. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's that phrase of nothing prepares you for marriage, but marriage to a degree. And that's the reality of what we live with. But is that the way it has to be? Mm -hmm. I mean, we all, you know, those of us who have kids, if forget about ourselves for a minute, wouldn't it be great if before our kids started dating, they knew what alcoholism was? Right. So that, they, you know, so that they could, they could not judge right. people who are having a drinking problem, but but mindfully step aside yeah. and let somebody else date that person. Be, be informed <laughs> about, yes. about yes. things. <laughs> And the same thing with no, we don't like to talk about this, but whether it's in the church or out of the church, there is a very common problem in this city or in this country with um, domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And, and short of domestic violence, just verbal abuse. Mm-hmm. We don't teach children, we don't teach teenagers anything about how to identify abusive relationships, right? And and how to terminate them so that they can safely walk away and go forward with a better candidate. And we don't teach mate selection. We yep. don't teach any of them. So. Yeah, well, it's also, I mean, as you're talking about the church, if you're looking at the spectrum of of denominational beliefs and rigor, if you will, in the, in the <laughs> society, um, not only is there verbal and emotional abuse happening in a lot of households, there's also spiritual abuse happening in a lot of households. Where, Absolutely. where it can Absolutely. be used as a weapon. I mean, I heard one of the guys in a group, in some of the groups I run, I love it because he, he coined the phrase, for me at least, he, he said, I grew up in a weaponized religion. Yes. And it's like, ooh, that is very descriptive because it, it's using things that were probably intended 
not even probably, they were intended for freedom, compassion, love, grace. You know, there's a lot of really good things, but then they get skewed and used against. Yeah, and then they're used to control, intimidate, insult, and 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 it's it's very destructive. And I'm glad you mentioned that in, in the context of church because. Although I do believe in family as a sacred institution, and I also believe churches, of course, there are, just as there are dysfunctional people, there are dysfunctional families and dysfunctional religious environments where spiritual abuse is more the norm than the exception. Right. So and we need we need to be talking about that. We, we do. And so let's let's go back to just this whole framework of intimacy and how sometimes we don't have an idea of what that really means. Right. So the working definition I like to use is um the ability to safely share my life with another person. Okay. And it's a pretty straightforward, but it, it highlights the difference between what a husband and wife might have in their bedroom uh, during sexual intercourse and what a victim might have in an alley when confronted by somebody who perpetrates sexual assault. Right. In in both instances, there's sexual intercourse, but one is truly safe and fulfilling. And the other one is the opposite. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, because uh, tell me, this this is the way my mind works, Steve. That it's it's the idea when I'm talking about intimacy. That, that this is what I propose to couples and to sex imaginations. Heard this uh, at varying times if they've been around in the community for a while. Um, there's two components to intimacy. There's there's knowing someone else and them knowing me. I have to agree with that. I mean, that makes sense. And isn't that one of our deepest sexual needs as well for somebody to know me yep. and, and to truly know the other Yep. and experience that kind of acceptance, even if I'm a little perverted or I'm a little kinky <laughs> yep. or I'm a little, um, I'm a little outside the norm. Well, cause all and those are relative terms. <laughs> absolutely. Right. So. And aren't we all, I mean, that's the one thing I think we all have in common is that we're all, we're all different. Yep. And so what, you know, what some people find objectionable, other people are going to adore and long for. Right. And, and the question is, you know, if we could communicate about that instead, instead of communicating and instead of having real intimacy, what we often do, and you're seeing this in our national conversation on consent is instead of, <laughs> we, we, we basically teach our boys how to obtain consent by braille as they lean in and start touching a a girl say at uh, seventh grade eighth grade they put an arm around her shoulder without asking or take her hand without any discussion of that right and and there's no discussion and if she allows me because inside of herself she doesn't want me to feel bad and so she's protecting my feelings right and i'm thinking I've got a green light and I, this is really welcome contact. Right. right. She's drawing this when that may not be true. At Absolutely. All. Cause there's so stuff going on under the surface that she's not revealing and he's not revealing and confronting. So it is that idea of how do I uh, address something on a better, with better footing with, with more of right. me because in the analogy I think of where, if intimacy is knowing someone else and them knowing me, 
What I find far too often is we rest too much of the percentage on knowing someone else. I want to know more of you rather than you knowing me because I already know me and some of what I know of me scares even me. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so if I reveal that to you, there's no guarantee you stay around. And so I sh- I'll just shift it to, I'd rather know more. Tell me more about you. You know, how was your day? And, and I mean, so we like, don't we like to hit this level of, it's almost surface, maybe it's slightly below, but it, it leads to, to me, the idea of the groups that you're talking about where the men would say, oh no, I could never share that. Right. And, and what we really want, I mean, if you ask any of us before we get married, would you want the sort of marriage where your mates uh, censors himself? Or do you want the sort of mate where, or the sort of marriage where your mate feels comfortable revealing who they really are? Mm-hmm. And we all would choose the latter. Absolutely. The former, right? But then they share something of who they are. And we say something like, you shouldn't feel that way. <laughs> Or, yep. you, you know, that's terrible. I can't believe you think things like that. Yep. And, or she discloses uh, something about her sexual history and a certain pro football team. And we're horrified. And we say, oh, my Lord, if I had known that, I yep. never would have been. And, and instead of just looking at this as a big win, because finally, finally, I'm being given the gift of truth right the gift of disclosure yeah the, the gift of them yes yes and it it's it's such a wonderful gift and instead I, whether we're in the church or out of it i know when we're in the church it's easy to get into this ghetto of the mind where we think we're living somehow very differently than the rest of america but in the church or out of it it seems to me that we so often focus on titillation and even in Christian literature, there's been a lot of talk about how to spice up your marriage and rekindle the romance. By, right. You know, these it's almost like watching a emergency uh, uh, tech do CPR on somebody to right. bring them back to life. Right. Instead of, you know, so we have date nights. We start talking about different romantic little gimmicks and tools instead of. This other thing, which is so banal when you think about it, it's like really just talking <laughs> and uh, just listening. Yeah. And I know for me, for me as a much younger man, I loved being the listener, you know, because you were talking about that a few minutes ago. And I love being the listener because it gave me all the control. Yep. I, you know, I didn't have to disclose anything of who I was mm-hmm. and, I, and I could, I didn't even have to listen. I could just make mewling sympathetic noises once in a while. And you come across well, looking really good too, right? Cause yes, it's like he yes. listens and he's engaged and, but it's still not necessarily all of you. Right. And it's not intimacy, right? It's not intimacy. It's, uh, it's as intimate as a Catholic confessional where the, the parishioner is giving up all of the confessions, but the priest is really saying nothing. Right. Okay. So what you're so what you're describing then is getting to a, a level of life because I got to assume from where the stance you're taking, this is beyond just the way we do relationship and do marriage. It's also kind of how I'm going to. This is going to spill over into other areas of my life too. Oh like, yeah, it's got to be a philosophy of life. Okay. And, and and really, it's founded on our faith, like. 
love, you know, love one another yep. as I have loved you. Yep. And when did he start loving us? After we got all clean and gave nope. up smoking, no nope. swearing? No. Nope. No, from the very beginning. Right. From the very beginning. So, so learning to be more like God in that way, I think, is what we're called to do. Okay. And with each other, we have a chance to practice that. And, you know, another like small example would be uh, a couple just having... I mentioned historical intimacy a minute ago with her disclosure about some sexual experience in her past, but even disclosing um, something uh, fiscally, you know, about talking about finances. That's not the, one of the number one reasons couples break up is, is money matters. Right. But could we just safely listen to each other where it's okay to have a conversation and we get to know one another? Right. It's, it's just such a privilege and a gift to understand that, oh, he never will feel successful if he doesn't own a lot of things. Now, if you love a guy, you don't need to fix him and correct him. Right. And tell him you shouldn't think that, but to say, wow, that is so interesting. And tell me more. Okay. Or, or I mean, because what comes to my mind is, oh, now our years together are beginning to make a little more sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, even between two friends who have a true uh, platonic love for each other, two guys who are talking and, and they make these disclosures, we don't need one another to fix us. Right. We, we really don't need that. Okay, so what, what, I'm, what you're describing to me, the way this strikes me, Steve, is that if I'm, when I'm going to be intimate with somebody— whether that's my wife or a, a, fr a friend or even a child, even, even one of my own children in my family or another family member. I'm opening myself up to the aspect that we only want to think of intimacy typically in the good side of it. But there's another side of intimacy that doesn't feel good right off the bat, right? Because it's like it's it's darker, or it's it's it doesn't line up. It's that you know it's that idea of oh you only feel accomplished when you own a lot of stuff. The way that impacts yes. me is that means we're going to have a lot of stuff and I got to face and I that, now all of a sudden it's my agenda being layered on right. on that and I react to that because it doesn't feel comfortable. Yeah, I feel threatened. Right. And it's a lot like emotional intimacy. What we mean by that is we want to hear, I love you, baby. Yep. Or I'm so happy I'm with you. But we don't want to hear, you know, sometimes I'm afraid we shouldn't have been a couple. Uh, <laughs> we don't want to hear that. That doesn't make us feel warm but, and fuzzy typically. No, but if you can get past your, our self, if we can all get past our self centered fears. Yep. And just listen to this person. Well, tell me, how long have you been feeling that way? Yeah. That is so interesting. I want to know more. Yeah. You know, it may seem counterintuitive, but the paradox is the more I let go of control, the more control and openness people give me. Absolutely. Uh, right? So, yeah. it, you know, for me, the alternative, I, I listened to the intro where, where um, your gal who was doing the, the talk, she said, the best sex is in the marriage bed. And I do agree with that, but I also, to a degree, disagree because some of the worst sex is in the marriage bed. Mm -hmm. And I think that's whether we're Christians or not, it has to do with, are we still unable to engage in intimacy and therefore we're reliant on titillation, our simple arousal to the physical stimuli? And if that's the case, we're going to be like that 12-year-old boy who saw his first Playboy and... Well, it was a it was a real va 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 voom kind of moment, mm -hmm. 
But six months later, he doesn't look at that thing because that's old. Yep. He's become systematically desensitized to it, whereas intimacy offers a bottomless well of connection and love and appreciation. Yep. So if we're not doing the intimacy thing, we're never going to get to that great sex in the bedroom. That's true, because you know, you're, then you're just you're still staying at that one aspect. Right, which right. is just the physical, right. actual sensations that go with the nerve endings and arousal to get to the point of uh, being engaged in sex and then orgasming and then moving on to whatever the next thing is. Right, and that sort of reliance on passion. It's not like passion is the enemy, but passion was really just a stepping stone to getting us to where we were in an increasingly intimate relationship. Right. And it felt safer and safer to open up to who I am. So my friends and my wife know my fears. They know uh, my petty uh, idiosyncrasies, uh, my pet peeves that I'm embarrassed about. I don't like to tell people about. Right. And and some of my really embarrassing habits. So that's the joy of being known. Yeah. And that, okay. So what, what I think of and, and tell me as we kind of wrap this up, tell me if I, if I'm kind of putting it a, a nice little bow on, on the depth of this conversation. <laughs> um, okay. One of the, one of the authors I love is Donald Miller and he makes a comment in one of his books or in one of the talks I was listening to that as an author, you really are giving yourself to your audience. So you're giving them ammo to use on you. If you think right. about it, right? That's marriage right. too. That if I'm if I'm yes. intimate with somebody, I'm giving them myself, which they can use against me if they want, or right. they don't, and that's what creates more of that safety. That's what creates. It seems like from what you're saying, that's what starts to create an environment of I recognize I get in my own way because I'm reluctant to share, but my partner plays yes. a role because of the way they they respond and either shut it down demonstrate they're not willing to go there or give room to see where it leads and then in turn create something deeper. I couldn't agree more, okay. but that's a very succinct way of saying it. And, and of course that's the devil is in the details. So, <laughs> yes. As with most right. things. Right. <laughs> and, the, and the sad thing, unfortunately, again, is we all seem to wait until after marriage right. to begin this sort of conversation when we could be conducting an intentional interview in the early days of the romance. Yes, we could. Yes, we could. And so I think that leads us to where, um, to, to learn more about this and how, how do you give, give people, how do they find you? If Well, people can find me and, and my on uh, the web store at stephening.com. Pretty easy to remember. That is. Well, Stephen, I have to say thank you very much for uh, being part of the Sexy Emerge Nation today and, and riding along, leading us down. Um, oh, it's my pleasure. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you've seen it, but I want to recommend my TEDx talk. Uh, and if people just go to YouTube, they can go ahead and, and enter my name and they'll, it's the first thing that comes up. Perfect, and yes. Um, what's your magic sex number? Okay, well, I'm intrigued and I would imagine Sexy Emerge Nation is too. <laughs> well, this has been Sexy Emerge Radio. Uh, Wherever you are, whatever you've been doing, thanks for taking a little bit of time out of your day to spend it with us. We'll see you next time.